Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Let's just uh, get into the message this morning. Um, how many of you remember what you were doing last Easter? Did anybody remember? Because you weren't in church. <laughs> but I remember distinctly what I did last Easter. I actually had this same clothes on. And I did this for my mom. You know, one day, me and my mom were shopping. And my mom says, why don't you pick out a suit? You need a new suit. And as I get a little older, I'm getting a little bolder. And colors do not offend me as one-time grays and dark colors. Now, I, don't, I can wear some crazy stuff, and I enjoy it. You may think it's crazy. God bless you, but happy for me. <laughs> and uh, so she said, pick out a, a, a coat. And I said, um, okay. And I came with a giant blue suit with stars all over it. And she's like, you, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm just joking. Then I came in with pineapples all over. The whole thing was full of pineapples. It was really cool. It really was. But it didn't fit me. And then I saw this one here. And she said, you in white or cream, you're not going to be able to keep that thing clean for 10 minutes. And that, she's right about that. Because if you have a problem with the car, I will work on your car just like this. I will probably not take my suit off. And so she was right. But I promised her that I'm, this is the one I wanted. And... I kept on hearing over and over, I can't believe you bought that suit. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And so when she passed, I couldn't help wear it for Easter. And today I said, Mom, I'm going to wear this one for you because I know how much you enjoyed it. <laughs> Easter is a wonderful time. Those watching by the Internet, we're glad you joined us. Listen. God wants to speak to your heart today. God wants to speak to each one here. So open your heart. Say this right now. God. Open my, heart Open my heart so I can hear what you want me to hear. The preparation of the soil is so important. I want to talk to you today about, so they put up my PowerPoint. I want to talk to you about the hope of Easter. The hope of Easter. You know, there's a, a story that I love, to, I love to talk about. And... Um, it's about a submarine that crashes into a ship off of the Cape Cod coast. And what happens is uh, the submarine goes down. All the rescue people get there, but they realize that they cannot take the 19 men out of the submarine. And so while they're trying this and trying that, one of the divers happens to hear something happen and realize it's Moss Code. And in that Moss Code, he has to listen to dictate what, he's, what they're saying. And inside the submarine, they were doing Moss Code, is there any hope? I love that story, a true story, a sad story, but yet I believe that story is the same word spoken today. Is there any hope? You see, if you live long enough, you've gone through some situations, some circumstances, some hardships, some disappointments, where all of a sudden you say, is there hope? Can the situation change? I've been in this situation for so long. I've been frustrated so long. I've been irritated so long. I don't know, Lord, but can this change? Is there any hope? And I'm going to tell you right now, 
Because I have been in those moments, I have been in those seasons, and I can tell you there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope in Jesus Christ. But here's the question, where do you go to find hope? I mean, really, when things are tough and things are not going the way you want and you feel downer than a bucket that has a label underneath it made in Japan. (laughs) Changed it. You see, when you're that low, where do you go to find hope? Because the bottom line, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it's hard to find hope. It's It's hard to find encouragement. It's hard to find a word of someone to lift you up. It's hard to find a hand that's going to stay there constantly, no matter what. And that hand you need to learn is Jesus Christ. Not only can I verify because of it, I can tell you it's so true. And God has showed up so many times. Not only has he showed up, he has showed off in his might, in his power. But where do you go when the doctor gives you a bad report? Where do you go for your hope? Where do you go when your company is downsized and then they finally say, you know what? We no longer need you anymore. You have a mortgage. You have children. You have all these bills. And all of a sudden, one day, you just lose your job. Where do you go for hope? What do you do? What do you do when you're in a difficult relationship that just is so frustrating and stuff and you see no way out? Where do you find hope? Where do you do when you have a friend or a family member who's stuck on uh, substance abuse? And it could be so many things nowadays that they're so stuck on and, and their life's going down the tubes and they're making bad decisions. What do you do? Where is the hope? What do you do when you feel like you're in a dead end? You feel like life is a dead end. You feel like your job's a dead end. You feel like, you know what, God? I just don't know why I'm here. There are so many people I hear say that to me. I don't even know, Pastor, why I'm here. You see... Easter reminds all of us of the hope that Jesus Christ brought to us by raising from the grave, defeating death, grave, and conquering sin. This is huge. Sin was a divider between you and God. You cannot go in the presence of God because God is holy. That's why Jesus came to us. I don't know about you, but... The Bible tells us, and I, I don't know about you, but this is come scriptures I want you to focus on. If you take your notes, I want you just to write these things down. And I want you to meditate on this if you're needing some hope today. Because th- these, this is God's breath to your life. In 1 Peter 5, 7, Jesus says, Cast all your anxiety, all your cares on him, for he cares for you. That's not a maybe. That's a guarantee. There's not a lot of guarantees in life. Jesus says, no, bring all your cares. Come to me. He says again in Romans, I mean, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. And watch this. He says, I'm going to give you rest. You're all upset. You're all turbulent. You're all frustrated. Can you simmer down, son and daughter? Can you now come to me and let me help you? It's funny. But when I look at my kids and I go back with my kids, I can tell you some times where they were doing something and I said you know I know a better way in doing that and they said "Ah, I can do it because you know they know everything when they're young I can do it I don't know that's okay you know and I'm like okay and I just step back and just if they break it they break it if they drop it they drop it if they just make it a mess they make it a mess because that's a learning experience and sometimes it didn't always go so well and when they were finally at the brink they say okay what would you do and I said well this is what I would do And I would just show them. And it's amazing. Oh, 
Yeah, that works. Okay. You see, but, but sometimes the answer can come so quicker with the Lord if we stop fighting against the Lord. Someone say amen. Because every one of us in here are stubborn. Come on. You're all stubborn. Why? Because you have the human nature in you to be stubborn. But the Bible also says that stubbornness is as a sin of witchcraft. Now, do you want to be stubborn? <laughs> you see, so we can learn if we have a heart to learn. Jesus says, come unto me, all who are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Now, we memorized the scripture here in the series that we did on hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace as you trust him. Did you get that? That you're going to receive joy and peace, but you're going to first have to take a step of faith to trust God in your present circumstance, in your situation, in your hardship, in whatever question that you're asking the Lord at this very point. May the God of hope. See, he's a God of hope. Someone say God of hope. There's nobody out there that's the God of hope. There's a lot of people who will say little gods all over the place, a lot of religion, but there's only one God of hope that can fill you with joy and peace as you trust him. Watch this. So that you may overflow with hope. How many of you want to overflow with hope? Does anybody know what that looks like when a person is overflowing? You ever meet a real jolly person? I mean, they're just they're just jolly. They're just happy. I mean, they could have a flat tire on their car and like, oh, well. I guess I just have to fix it. And you look at them and saying, what's wrong with you? But that's the right attitude. Some of us would get so frustrated over the littlest thing and we lose the joy. But when you're full of hope, no matter what comes your way, you know your God's going to work it out. Some would say, my God's going to work it out. See, that's what the God of hope is all about. He's going to work it out. So you remember, uh, it just take you back here. A little bit, you're like my little... <laughs> Hope. Here's some acronyms for hope. Holding on to prayer every day. Holding on to promises every day. We're going to be talking about that one. Holding on to promises every day. Because when you're in prayer, when you have hope, you're holding on to the promises. And in those promises, hope, he offers peace every day. He offers provision every day. He offers protection every day. He offers power every day. Why? You ask me? Go to ask me why. I'm so glad you asked me because hope opens people's eyes. If you had no hope, you didn't think anything's possible. If you're in a dark cave, I don't know if you've ever been in a dark cave and if you're like caving and you're in this cave and it's all tight and like this and it's pitch dark and all you, all you have is the light you have in, in, with you and stuff. And all of a sudden you're worried like, man, am I going to get out of here? You know, and then you see light. It's just a little crack of light. And what, what happens? You have hope. I see the light. And all of a sudden, you stop moving fast to, to get out there. Remember, 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 the, the, remember, remember the skeleton? Uh, you remember that journey? It's one o'clock at night in Volcano, um, yeah, Volcano National Park. We're in the, uh, what do they call them? The veins there. What is it called? Yeah, those things. <laughs> Lava tubes. And we're in them and stuff, and we're just discovering. And I've been there ever before. We're just we're discovering. And then she finds a skeleton in the corner of a person, man, you know? But it wasn't really a skeleton. It was just a palm leaf with ribs. <laughs> God is 
God is your light if we can just look at that. He's your hope. So today we're going to take a story, a Bible truth found in Luke chapter 24. And we're going to talk about what we can learn about hope today. Because first, hope has been given. It's been a gift. Some say God has given a gift of hope. I want you, it's for you. Now it's up to you to open it up. God wants to give you a lot of things in life. He doesn't want you to go by yourself. He doesn't want you to have a bad day or a crazy day. The devil wants you to have a bad day. The devil wants you to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Which one do you want? It's up to you. It's your choice. It's always a choice. So God is about to fulfill what he says in Scripture. There's 300, over 350 prophecies that Jesus was going to come. Jesus has now come. He's now died on the cross. It's now Resurrection Sunday. Jesus has risen. He's about to fulf- he fulfilled what he said he was going to do. Let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, I want you to understand this. They had a bad day. Jesus was, died on the Friday. They saw him crucified. All of their hopes are gone. Have you ever been in a situation where all of a sudden your hope is gone? You're discouraged. You're down. You're frustrated. You're just, you're just in a bad, bad way. And so finally, they, they want to go prepare the body. Probably they didn't know that Joseph did it when they buried him, but they were going down there with intentions to give reverence and honor and have a proper burial since they couldn't do it because of the, the, the feast. And I, I, I just want you to understand is that they go down there and they're bad. They're probably encouraging one another up, you know, and they get down and they see the stone removed. Wow, why is the stone moved? But it's even worse. It gets even worse because the body's gone. So I don't know, think about this now. You're having a bad day, and did it ever get worse? You have a bad day, and you say, boy, nothing can get worse, and then it gets worse. Anybody have a day like that? Oh, only a couple people? Well, they're blessed. You're blessed. You see, and that's what happened. All of a sudden, the body's gone, and they don't know what's going on. This is really, really important. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus said over and over again, and said this to him. He said, listen, this is going to happen to me. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He told the disciples this over and over and over again. Let me show it to you. Here, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. John 2, 18 and 22. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. Then the Jews said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to rise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Look over here in Matthew 12, 39, 40. It says it's an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus predicts. His death and resurrection in Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem 
and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, now catch this, and be raised again on the third day. Again, Jesus predicts his death and resurrection in John 10, 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Now catch this. No one, someone say no one. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up. Now, this is the one that's really interesting. Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection in Matthew 27, 62 to 64. Look what it says. On the day, on the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that a tomb that the tomb be made secure until the third day. Least the disciples come by night and steal him away, and to say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse. And then the first deception. Well, boy, they got that one right. Over and over and over again, Jesus told the disciples that this was going to happen. But what happens? You have the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, they remember what Jesus said. You see, so they put gods there. Now, I was tempted this morning to talk about all of the theories that are out there that try to discredit the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it, it makes me laugh because people want to, when people want to believe something, they will believe it. Not because it's true, because they want to believe it. I'll be truthful with you. I have never been that way. I want really the facts of things. And when you study historical, the essence, essence of Jesus living here, not religiously, but historically, these are historians that have nothing to do with religion, and you hear and you read their stuff saying Jesus did live, Jesus do, did miracles, Jesus did die on the cross, and then we don't know what happened to his body, gives evidence that Jesus lived and fulfilled the scriptures just as he said. So many people always say, well, pastor, that book is ancient. And I say to them all the time, really? Because the God that I serve lives for eternal. So how can something be ancient when the one who gave it is still alive? See, we have a misconception because we go according to time. But God is God. He's been there from the very beginning. He created you and I. Everything that you see, the Bible says that all man is without excuse. You can't say that there is no God. You can say it and God will let you believe it. But when you look at everything around you and see how it is placed, it shows evidence of an intelligent design. I love the hand and the feet. Simple. Why did God create it this way? Because your thumb is the most important thing on your own hand. Lose your thumb, you lose your strength. Lose your big toe, you lose your balance. You see, God has created so many things. And let me tell you something. There is only two views in life. And it's your worldview, and it's two views. You know, what's a worldview, you may ask me? A worldview is the way you look at the world. The world is changing. When I grew up, the world was much different. The world has changed so fast. And people say, people say, time has changed. I said, no, time hasn't changed. Time has been the same. People have changed. People have changed. A lot of things have changed. We have things in the medical and science. They keep on changing. You know, one time they thought the world was flat. 
Then they realize it's round. One time they thought that letting blood out of someone would help, kill the, uh, help heal them of their disease. But, of course, many people died because of bloodletting. You know, things, little babies would die because they would do circumcision before the eighth day. But God said on the eighth day, then do circumcision because it's on the eighth day that vitamin K comes into a baby's body that clots the blood. See, there are so many things, so things are always changing, but the Word of God has never changed. And it's, it's fit every generation. But people have changed. So either your view is going to be like this. Either you're going to make God is going to be your center, or man will be your center. And if you think man's doing such a great job, just look around us. If you think it's bad now, let me just tell you something. You haven't seen nothing yet. If you think pandemic is bad, you haven't seen nothing yet. Read Book of Revelations. This is, what, just, this is just what's going to happen. God's going to get things right because they're wrong. That's why we are to learn to love each other. No matter how different we are, even if we're different, you still respect them. Someone say amen. God is a center or man is a center. God exists or God doesn't exist. Whether you believe in creation or evolution or you want to believe in theism or atheism. Listen, everybody has a choice, but remember, your choice is your destiny. You're only going to live so, so long on faith of this earth. I've done a lot of funerals, a lot of funerals. One day, someone will do mine. And I pray we celebrate. My brother, if he's watching, I don't know, but he, my brother said, hey, when I die, I want to be buried in a graduation outfit. And I said, graduation? He said, I want the cap. I want the tassel and everything. And I want to know, I want everybody to know that I've graduated. I want you to take the tassel and bring it over. And I'm thinking, his wife thinks he's crazy, but I think it's a great idea. I really do. There's a graduation. You're going from glory to glory. It is a beautiful thing. Death is not death in God's eyes. It's a continuation of life, eternal we die, the body here that we have on earth, that's only good for this earth. It can't take it any other place without a suit. When I scuba dive, I need a suit. I need air. If I go out of this atmosphere, I need another suit. It's only good for here. So that being said, we have this situation going on that they go to the tomb and the rocks move. Jesus is not there. They're, they're really having a moment Let's look at something here. Let's look at this portion of Scripture here. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning. You want to talk about some major bleach in heaven, huh? Gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their face to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised raised again. Then they remembered his words. Let's check something out here. I want you to pay attention to the phrase, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Why would the angel say that? Because it's kind of curious. Because if you're going to a cemetery and you're going to go do something, to, to do something for someone in the cemetery, we all know that they're what? They're dead. 
because the cemetery is where dead people are. But the angel approaches him and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? I want to challenge you this morning on a couple things. And this is where I like to challenge you. I think the angel is trying to redirect the woman's thinking. But not just the woman's thinking, our thinking. Because you know what? We get into trouble when we don't adjust our thinking to God's thinking. And honestly, sometimes we go through life with stinking thinking. We are, what we're thinking is all about us. It's not about God. It's really about us. And when we make life about us, we can miss the boat. Let's look at this. The question is, why do you look for the living among the dead? This is the first one. Because the angel is trying to redirect the woman's thinking, redirect them from death to life, which is only found in Jesus Christ. You remember what he said to her? Listen, he has risen just like he said. I want you to think about this. When you have a situation in your life and it just seems like it's going bad, think that maybe something's dying, a relationship's dying, or something like this, you got to remember your God is a God of life. Someone say, my God's God of life. Now, I like this. Let's take a life. L-I-F-E. Let's say that together. Ready? L-I-F-E. What's in the middle of life? If your life is based on your if of what if you do what God says or if you don't do your benefits, your results, your joy is all on your if in life. So we need to recognize that God's a God of life. So he's redirecting them and say, wait a minute, you're looking for someone who's dead, but he's alive. Your God can turn things around. Let me look at another thing that he wants to redirect their thoughts. He wants to redirect them from the cross to the resurrection. This is important. You see, the cross, yes, it was terrible. I could go into detail to describe how they brutalized Jesus Christ. Literally, the ones he created mauled him and hurt him and scarred him and treated him terribly. Worse than a regular thief that was on the cross because of his claim and because of the enemy that wanted to bring such harm and hurt to him. But the angels redirect them, not talking about the suffering now, but now the power of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 21, 22. For since death came through a man and the resurrection of the dead comes through a man, For as Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. You know, there are two people. Some people like the cross with Jesus on it. Other people in the Protestant realm like the cross with Jesus off it. You see, one can focus on the crucifixion. The crucifixion is not where it's at. If Jesus just died, that's it, just died for us, it would not be enough because he had to resurrect To get authority over death. Tell me one thing you're scared of. And I'm going to tell you one thing on your list is dying. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should never fear death. I know from personal experience, I've almost died so many times. I'm actually writing all my sequences of how many times I've I've almost, I should have died. Or should have paralegic. I could have a list. Whether it's electrocution, scuba diving accident, just all kind of crazy stuff. I want you to understand something, that God's with you. He's protected you, and he wants you to focus on the power 
of the resurrection that can work in your life. Let's look at the third thing. The angels redirects them from feelings to faith in Christ. John 14.1 says, In my Father's house are many dwellings, or some version says many mansions. If it would not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. One of your favorite scriptures, Geneva. You see, what's really beautiful is that sometimes our feelings get in the way of faith. You see, right now, they're down. They're just down because, and how you feel, you know when you get, you feel like you go, I don't care. Has anybody ever had the I don't care spirit? Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what I don't care. And I really don't care. You know, you can tell them anything. You want to, I don't care, I don't want to care. Because they're upset. See? But the problem is they do care. But they're just frustrated. They're aggravated. They're just ticked. But, but the angel is saying, I want you to get off the feelings of the mourning of the sorrowful. I want you to now start to put your faith in the God who said he was going to do, has done it. There's victory in the camp. Can you give God some praise in the house of the Lord? There's victory in the camp of God. Number four says this, the angel, by saying, why are you looking among the living, among the dead? The angel redirects them from the problem to the power found in Jesus Christ. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I want you to understand this. You see, because we can look at the problem, but not understand the power that comes from Christ. Yeah, but pastor, you don't understand that I have this situation, I have this problem here. Look, can I tell you something? The problem, of God, the problem you have is never greater than the God you serve. You have to realize two, one thing. Is your God greater than any problem that you have? Is your God greater than any problem you have? If it does, stop focusing on your problem. Understanding who is your solution. Jesus said this, with man it is impossible, but with God, someone say all things. All, all things are possible. I like the word All. You know, little word, little word, A-L-L, little word. All things, all means everything. The littlest word that encompasses everything, all. So we have to get off the problem and focus on the power that's found in the resurrection. A, a fifth thought is that the angels redirects from the present sorrow they're under to hope found in Christ. You ever been gone through a situation where your heart is so heavy. Someone has passed. Somebody has passed suddenly. Um, a tragic accident takes place. I mean, there have been things in life that have been really tragic, even for us. We have gone through some very difficult seasons, suddenlies that take place in life. And your heart is full of sorrow. It's full of hurt. It's heavy. And when you are heavy, you need to know, where am I going to go to get hope? You see, a lot of times, people will go to a substance to get hope, to pick me up, to, or to get out of something that's hard, or get out of something that's really difficult, or to get away from the things that are in the head. They will go to something to replace it, so I can forget about that. You see, that's what hurt does. Hurt and harm hurts and harms the soul. But listen to this. Listen, this is, this is powerful. First Peter 
1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in His great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope. Someone say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, get this, is kept in heaven for you. How many of you want to have an inheritance? Come on. Come on. How many of you want your name on that will? Huh? Huh? I get excited. I get excited when people talk about wills and stuff. You know, is my name on the will? You know, and they always want to know if their name's on the will. And I just chuckle. I said, you know, because I'm just so much against that. Because that's not where it is. But God says he's going to give us an inheritance. Let me, let, me, um, let me tell you the story. I love this story. A little boy was in a candy store. And uh, his mom was with him. This is going back sometime. True story. And the little boy saw this candy jar. Big jar. One a gallon jar full of candy. It says free. Take as much as you please. So the little boy looked at the mother. The mother said go ahead. And, but the little boy did nothing. Did nothing. Stood like this. So finally... A couple times back, mom and, and son, still his son did not move. Finally, the mother says verbally, look, son, you can take it. It says, take as much as you want. Take it. Go ahead. Didn't do nothing. Finally, the owner of the store saw the people going back and forth, the mom and the son. And finally, he opened up the jar. He, he put his hand in. He opened, gave, opened up the kid's hands, put the candy in the kid's hands. And, and uh, he was a happy they're walking out, and the mother says, what was that all about? Why did you just take the candy? It was free. She said, he said, Mom, did you see the size of his hands? <laughs> this is the truth in life. She said, sometimes we're trying to get, get, get. But we're missing the one who actually provides everything we need. And when God bless, he shows up and shows off. And so what we really need to do it's focused on the kingdom of God and doing his will, his work, his way, and his things first, first. I'm going to say first. And then I guarantee you're going to have an inheritance that you will not contain. Because God says you have a living hope from the resurrection and that there is an inheritance and it's kept for you. It's not going to fade. It's not going to corrupt. So many times people are trying to hoard so much stuff here on earth. And trust me. I just got done cleaning my mom's house out after so living there all her life. And did she have some stuff? <sighs> she used to joke and say, well, you'll be there a couple of years. But we did a good job and, and cleaning things out. And uh, I'm so grateful for those that helped along the journey. But I just want to let you know something. This is not what we want to accumulate here because we're going to leave it here or leave it to someone else. We want to accumulate it in heaven. We want to increase our inheritance in heaven. How do you do that? You say, it's simple as that. You just live in on the obedience of Jesus Christ. Make Jesus your Savior. Make him center of your heart and life. Let him take you step by step, step by step. Lean on him. Find out about the God of hope, and he will help you. Let's look at two more here. Invert another thing, six, the sixth one that the angel tries to redirect them by saying a simple phrase. Why are you looking among the living, among the dead? The angel redirects them from the present problem to a personal savior 
who rules and reigns over all. Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for good. Someone say all things. That's what it means. God will work it. Don't, the Bible says to give thanks in all things, not for all things. This portion of scripture is telling us that if we recognize, we know that God works all things for good for them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You know, you say, I don't know how God's going to work good out of this. This is just a mess. This just is a mess. I, 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 this is, you know what? Be patient. God's quite good. As long as you stay humble and you stay at his feet, God will help you. God will help you. I can guarantee it. You know why I can guarantee it? Because I've lived it. I've lived it. I've made a few messes in life. And God has come on the scene and God has done some incredible works. Trust him. Make him your personal savior, even right now in your personal problem. Never focus on the problem. Focus on your personal savior. And the last one I just want to bring to your attention is the seventh one, and that the angels redirects them from the promise of the Old Testament to the fulfillment in the New Testament. This is a huge one. Because, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, it was actually fulfilling the first prophecy found in Scripture, found in Genesis 3.15. This was Satan's judgment when he caused Adam and Eve to partake of the, the tree that made them understand good and evil. It says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, most of us wouldn't know what that means. But if you study this, you would understand that the head is what causes any living things to exist. Lose the head, guess what happens to the rest of the body? If you saw someone walking around without a head, you know they're having a bad day. But also in Scripture, the head also means authority. The head means authority. And what this is saying is that from the seed of woman, as Jesus Christ came from a woman who was a virgin, to be born, he would be born. There would be enmity between one seed and the other seed from the woman. And it says he, he is Jesus the Messiah that would eventually come to bring back humanity back into the relationship right with God again. He will crush your head. He will crush your authority of sin, death, and the grave. He will crush everything. And then it says, and you will strike his heel. And that happens on crucifixion. Because when a person is crucified, the only way they can breathe is they can take in air, but they cannot exhaust air. So they have to lift up. But because of where the heels are, the heels get bruised because they have to lift their body out to exhale in order to take another inhale. And so this is the first. There's 300 and over 350 prophecies. This is the first one. Right in the very beginning, when Satan caused or tempted Adam and Eve to partake of this one tree. Can someone just say one tree? I just want you to know something about the human race. It's funny. I, I could tell you, you could sit anywhere in this room, but don't sit in that seat right there. If I tell you that, you know what eventually you're going to do? Why? How come? What's special about that chair? And I tell you, if no one's looking, it's going to be, and someone tempts you, you know what, you should, you know? And if they give you a good reason, 
there's money underneath that cushion. That's why. Really? See, I'm just saying that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Eve was tempted and then brought it to Adam and they both partook of the fruit. And this, guess what? Listen to me. The greatest deception, the greatest deception that the enemy of your soul uses is when he'll take truth and he'll take lie and blend it together. Hear me. Truth and lie is the greatest deception. And he did that to Eve. Hey, listen, if you bite of that fruit, you eat of that fruit, you'll become just like God. That is a true statement. That is a true statement based on a lie. How be like God? You'll be like God knowing what good and evil is, but not in power. See the trickery? When you be like God, people say, be like God. I want to be like God. Yeah, I can, I can, I can be late for work and turn back the clock. And those that laugh, that's your thinking. You thought of that before, Devin, yeah. But you see, this was all about something so different. And the devil used it in such a way. And it was good to eat. It was tempted. Deceivement happens when you take truth and lie and put it together. Now, I don't know about you, but we can learn a lot. Let's go on with the truth here. In Luke chapter 24, verse 9 and 10. Because first, the angels revealed what happened. It's fulfilled in Scripture, revealed by the word of the angels. And then here's where I think you and I have struggles. It's believed unreal. Believed unreal. So here it is in different accounts in the gospel. They, when the girls get back, they're really, exci- really excited. In Luke chapter 24, verse 9 and 10. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. These are the ladies. And to all the others. It was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and all the others with them who told this to the apostles. Because they were apostles, they were men of faith. This is what they said. But they did not believe the woman because their words seemed to them like, what's the word? Nonsense. Peter, however, got up, ran to the tomb, bending over. He saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, you got to get this. This is great. So you have the individual. They're all hiding. The, the apostles, the women have good news. They come in all excited. Have you ever been excited about something and no one wants to listen to you? Have you ever been there? You're so excited. You are. You are happy as a peacock. You know, you're like, hey, guess what happened? Man, I just did a 30-foot host shot with my car. I've never done it that long before. No, no one cares in my house. They don't care that, you know, you know, you probably don't care either. Will you care? You might care. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is, sometimes you're so excited about something, but how about when you're excited about something that they should be excited about? Because that's what happened. Here's the women, they come on and say, well, listen, we've seen Jesus. Mary Madeline actually talked to Jesus. They talked to them. They actually talked to Jesus, and they thought it was nonsense. Now, isn't it funny how the disciples didn't remember what Jesus said, but the Pharisees did, and the religious leaders. They wanted to put soldiers there. And isn't it funny today, people say, well, they stole the body. Now, let's take out a couple things here, because there's like 12 or of, 12 of 13 of these different things. Here's two for you this morning. So they say they stole the body. Well, they have guards. They had a seal. If the seal was broken, that would mean instant death. And so here they have guards, and yet they stole the body. But here's a funny one. 
that if they stole the body, would you take the whole body with its clothes and everything because the clothes is wrapped? Do you remember with the, what, what Peter saw? The clothing was in two piles, folded neatly, one at the head, one at the waist. Now, if you stole the body, would you unwrap the body, you know, and get it all, and put it all nice and fold it? No, I'm going to tell you something. This was, there are so many of these things that took place that God had them take place for you and I to see the evidence, to see it. Now, if you want to discredit the evidence... You can do that. You can discredit anything that comes your way because God has given you the opportunity to do so. But let me ask you this, though. You need to make sure that you know what the truth is because the truth will set you free. Let me close with saying something that I think you all might find helpful. The disciples you got to give a little bit of credit to disciples because they've just gone through a very difficult thing. And when people go through traumatic moments, the brain doesn't work very well. Have you gone through a very difficult time and season, something hurtful, uh, something heavy? You just can't even think. Everything's a blur. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I believe the disciples, and that's why they didn't remember, because their hope for the future just died. He just suffered. It was, it was tragic. Each one of you in life is going to go what I call the three-day syndrome. It may be longer than a three-day, but it really is this. A Good Friday is just a moment where an event takes place, a tragic moment takes place, a loss takes place, hurt takes place, something where all of a sudden you are in anguish. That is your Good Friday. That's exactly what happened to the disciples. They had a good Friday. And sometimes, I hate to tell you, but all of us are going to have these moments in life where we're going to have a good Friday experience where all of a sudden things are just going to be yanked. We're going to be shocked. We're going to be in anguish, pain because of the present situation. And then there's a second day after the event. This is when a person is confused and and a person is just hard to speak with and they're grieving and they're disappointed and they're in deep mourning. This is exactly where the disciples were because they thought Jesus was going to be the one that was going to make things right. They thought Jesus was going to finally get them out of the power of the Roman government. They had such high expectations, but it all turned very quickly. But then what happened on a Sunday? Those disciples had an encounter with Jesus and Jesus gave them a different perspective. You'll have a different perspective when you encounter Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I I want you to understand something, and this is important, is that God wants you to encounter him, and he will give you a different perspective, but you have to seek the God of hope. If you just try to do it yourself, go right ahead. I've done it many times in my life where I think, God, I I got this, and find out, Lord, I don't got this. I need you. That's the part of humility to say, God... I'm stop fighting. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm going to let, let go to you. God is a God of promise. There are so many scriptures that I just want to leave you with, but let me leave you with two. Because the God of hope is a God of promise. Isaiah 43, 1 and 3 says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, it's not when, it's when, if not might, is when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned by the flames. 
you will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That was the promise given to Jacob. That same promise is for you and I. God is with you. God is a God of promise in John 16, 33. Listen to what he says. Jesus answered, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, hope is holding onto God's promise. You see, it's a guarantee God will show up. That's the thing about it. People say, well, how can you know? Because I've been through too much. I've seen too many healings. I've seen when doctor says there's no hope and they tell me to come into the room and they say there's no hope for this person. I remember a time and I've shared this once before, but remember went to a went to a hospital for a visitation coming out. A total stranger got a hold of me and said, can you are you a preacher? I don't know how they know I'm a preacher because I really don't know. I didn't have like sign on my head, but, but he was right. Yes. Told me the situation and I went to a room and I went to a room that doesn't really like preachers. Let's put it that way. So I had a lot of people there. And when they said the preacher's coming in, half of the crowd left. And I'm okay with that. I said to the rest, are you guys okay staying here? And they said, yeah. And so I told them, I heard what's happening. I hear the situation. It doesn't look good. I said, I'm a man that believes in faith. I don't know what God's going to do until God shows up. But I pray life until God does otherwise if you want me to pray life over your family member i will pray for her but i'm going to pray that god changes things for a testimony unto you to know that god is a god who lives and he's real so they said dude go ahead so i said that's all i needed and so i did i prayed and i prayed a faith and i just prayed all my heart after i was done i went off i had to come back the next day probably to see the, the same person or someone else I don't remember who it was but I came back ran into that person and they recognized me I didn't recognize the person he says hey you're the preacher I said yes he said ah I'm here I'm taking my family member back home it was a grandmother I, I said family member I had to readjust and all of a sudden it hit me she is fine she's she's like there was a giant turnaround she's actually not even going to a step down they're just letting her go And I said, don't ever forget about how good and great God is. You've seen his hand because you've heard the doctor. You see, this is the God that the world will not tell you about. This is the God that no one wants to talk about. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a God of hope and he's on your side and he wants to be with you. You just need to understand he's a God over death. Don't fear death. It's the gateway to life. We're here for a reason. We're here to glorify and help people know Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's the wise men who win souls. Why? Because I was lost one time. I was far as one could be. I am the most unlikely to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. But somehow, he spared me. Somehow, he spared you. But God's calling you. God's calling you to a full commitment. None of this pansy stuff. A full commitment of being all in. To making Jesus Christ not only your God, but this is real big for me, your best friend. Your best friend.
because that's what he wants to be. And that's what he says in John 15. He wants to be your best friend. Some people don't understand that having God is your best friend. <laughs> that's how I live it. He is my best friend. He's the first one that I go to. He wants you to make him the first one you go to. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord, he will renew your strength. They that soar on the wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Jeremiah 29, 11, a popular scripture. So for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That's what God wants to do. That's what God wants to do for each one that's here. God wants to do that for each one watching on the internet. But you know what? What God does in your life is all up to you. What God does in my life is all up to me. How much room am I going to give God to work in my life? How much? How much am I going to give him? How much are you going to give him? How are you going to give and take it away? Oh God, here it is. Nah, you don't have this. No God, I'm going to give it. No God, I'm not going to give it. You got to give it. You got to be all in. My challenge is to you taste and see that he is good. I tasted. I would never go back. There's nothing back there that ever could entice me because God fills me fully inside and out. He is who he said he is. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me, Jesus said. I don't know where your relationship is with Jesus Christ, but he loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than anybody on the face of the earth. And there could be many people who love you on this earth, but nothing is compared to the one who created you. Could you close your eyes right where you are? Those by the internet watching, will you just close your eyes right where you are? Is Jesus your Savior? Have you have sin in your life where you've done what you want to do when you want to do it. God does not play a part in your life, but you want God to play a part in your life. You need help in a particular area of your life. You need to admit you need help from God. You can't do this by yourself. You need God. That something has to happen right now within your heart. Right now. The God of hope wants to give you joy and peace. Do you want joy and peace? It comes with a decision of making Jesus Christ the center of your life. Believing that he died on the cross for you. And on the third day he rose again, defeating death, sin, and the grave. And this is, I'm going to give you a challenge right here. And those by the internet. If you want to say in your heart, say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Just raise your hand right where you are. Yes. Yes. Just raise it high. Don't be afraid. Just raise it high so I can see it. Be bold. Be in. And those watching by the internet, you can raise your hand right where you are. It's the first thing. Now just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I desire to walk according to your ways. I thank you that you forgive me of my sins. I am sorry for every sin, every disobedience, everything that I have done because I wanted to do it. Those things that brought offense to you, forgive me. Now come into my heart and life and make me understand. Help me to understand your words and your way so I may do your will. I'm yours. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. This is the beautiful aspect of Easter. Is what Jesus Christ has done. I don't know what you have plans for today. But can I encourage you to spend some time with your family. And really think about what Jesus Christ has done. Not just as we celebrate today, but every day of your life. I'm going to stay at the altars. If you want anything in particular, prayer or anything that God has spoken to your heart during the message. Listen to that sensitivity to what the Spirit is saying to you. There's a small voice that you hear. A small voice. And that small voice is trying to communicate truth to you. And you need to respond. The growth comes by responding. And so we're going to take a moment. And then we're going to sing this song here. If I could ask you to stand to your feet. I just want to close with this song. It's a song about the resurrection. It's a song about worship. It's a song about the love of God. And if there's anything that you want prayer for, I just want to stand up here for the duration of that song, and then we'll put a benediction.
And now my debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. Now my debt is paid, it is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. No, the rugged cross, my salvation, where your love poured out over me. Now Praise the Lord. Put your hands together and just praise the Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and strengthen you. May His Holy Spirit go before you. May He truly draw you ever so close to Him as you desire more of Him. May He give you a good day, a great day, as you give this day to Him. May the Lord bless you greatly in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed Resurrection Sunday to each one of you. Have a blessed time with your family. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website, at SalemFirstAG.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.